Hello everyone and welcome to The Art of Flourishing. My name is Lauren De Silva. I am your host and today we're jo- joined by Jill. Jill is a high vibe mama of two who pours her heart into everything she does. When she's not on the soccer or lacrosse field cheering her kids on, she can be found helping people pleasing moms who feel unfulfilled to reconnect with themselves so that they can design a life that they love with their family. Jill is a Reiki master teacher, a multidimensional energy healer, spiritual life coach, and published author. After a personal healing journey that inspired her to make changes in her life that helped her and her family feel more love, joy, and fulfillment, she left her corporate career to start her own business, focusing and focused on helping other families heal too. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jill. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I am doing wonderful. That's Enjoying awesome. the summer look so oh, far. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, Jill, so just for everyone who's listening, Jill is one of the contributing authors on in a book called Being and Belonging, which is an anthology or a collection of stories um, in which women just share their experiences when it comes to being human and belonging. Um, Jill, uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what belonging means to you. Oh, ooh, I just got the chills when you said that. Um, yes, I actually was sitting down this morning just doing some journaling, knowing we were going to be speaking. And all this stuff started pouring out about belonging. It's really, you know, being able to shine your light and be you alongside other people. Mm. You know, like, having that connection and being connected, like all of our energy is connected, but truly feeling, and I don't necessarily like to say accepted, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's more about just being able to be you and not having to dull or dim that light at all and moving through life with other people. Mm. I really love that. That's such a multidimensional um, way of thinking about belonging. Um, what stuck out to me, and it's not something that you said specifically, but kind of alluded to, is mm-hmm. you know, well, you had said you being yourself without having to dim or dull any of that. Um, and then yeah. my brain jumps straight to or protect yourself from like you know build walls to build walls around yourself like um that there is no I guess that uh, the word picture in my mind is like no moat you know like um in like cartoons or fairy tales or I guess really dramatic movies uh there's a castle and then there's a moat with crocodiles or sharks and there's a drawbridge Mm -hmm. and there's a catapult where they like shoot flaming balls at the people on the other side like um, and when you describe belonging, I imagined a world in which we don't necessarily need all of those tools, or I think Brene Brown, Brene Brown calls it armor, um, yeah. between who we really are and other people and being able to do life as ourselves alongside other people also doing life as themselves. Exactly. And and you say armor and even I'm getting the chills as you're talking. So this is so spot on. Um, and even just the armor, but then also feeling like you have to conform. Mm. I, I recently found a, um, I was going through some boxes in my basement and I recently found a folder of 
things that I wrote when I was in high school. You know, I don't want to age myself, but this was many moons ago, okay? And I'm literally writing about how all the things I was doing for other people. It was supposed to be about me. It was like about Jill or something. And I wrote about how I would watch my brothers after school and how I would do this and I would do that. And I think back in all of the ways that I conformed, the way that I was living and what I was doing, and ultimately feeling like I always had to do mm. for other people in order to feel as though I belonged. I was always like, that's where the people pleaser part comes out. But it was, I was protecting. So when you say armor, absolutely, because I didn't want to ruffle feathers you know, or, yeah. or do any harm to anyone else. Yeah. But it was all doing harm. And I mean, I said, I can go back 30 years and, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was literally writing about how all of the things that I was doing in order to belong in my family, or I felt like I had to do in order to belong mm. in my family um, and in my community. And I, think back and even just you know writing this chapter and all these things that I've discovered it is really truly just about not having to come up have that armor not feeling like there's this moat with things that might harm me and just being able to be and not have to do anything not have to not having to build a bridge over that moat in order to feel connected to what was outside of me. Mm. Or like earn it, right? So like... Or earn it. it yeah. I I mean, I feel like we are about to jump into a very multi-layered conversation with all the like, multi-dimensional, all the different things. But, you know, I think, I think about, you know, one of the questions that I had as you were speaking is I wonder what it is about our culture that very subversive or like subconsciously you know the message that we get is that we need to do to belong and that being is not enough and that um being ourselves is harmful to the people around us does that make sense so Mm -hmm. like like I, i mean when i speak to a lot of women who struggle with people pleasing too and codependency as well and literally live their lives you're describing life as a teenager in terms of what you do for other people right in order to belong to your family and I think that many women in their 30s and 40s or 50s or 60s or 20s whatever mothers wives probably have almost an identical experience to that but just contextualized to the age that they're in where if you would if you would have peek into different journals how much of what you just described would we see not in a 14 year old or a 16 year old you know but a 35 year old describing her life in terms of what she does for other people and then kind of realizing I think we all get to this place right where we wake up and go oh my gosh I don't know who I am 
I don't know who I am outside of these things that I do, but the thought of just exploring that, let alone leaning into it fully, like one of the biggest kickbacks or pushbacks or objections that I hear is essentially when I become fully myself, it'll probably hurt the people around me. Yeah. Do you have any, like, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, what comes up for you when I say that? Like, do, why, why do you think this happens? <laughs> you know, what, what is going on? What's going on in our culture? What's going on in that, our life? Like where we're like, you know. And when you just said that, I got the chills and then my tears were coming to my eyes because that is exactly whom I speak to so many people and they feel the same exact way. And why in our culture does it get this way? It's it's so interesting because I feel like we know deep down in our souls and in our hearts that is not the way that life is supposed to be. You know, there's so many of us that feel like there is something missing, yet we're doing for everyone. But there's something missing. We are feeling unfulfilled. So we know in our hearts, but yet our minds, keep getting bringing us back to what do I need to do? What do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? Or who do I need to help? We always go back to that. And just being, you know, I still will feel at times just being, if I'm sitting on the beach, just literally sitting there and doing a meditation and relaxing, there's only so much time. And then I feel like I've got to get up and go do something. Mm. Why? what is it that we put on it is it as i've gotten older and now i now we see it so here it is you and i talking we see this right but if i look at myself 10 years ago i didn't see it as that mm. it was just what was expected so how it all started it's like the chicken and the egg mm. <laughs> how did it all start how did i get so blind to the fact like when when I was reading that thing from a teenager, I wasn't thinking anything was wrong about it. Yeah, it was you, just how my life was. Yeah, right. And now reflecting back this many years later, I'm going, "Oh, that poor girl." Right. Mm. I had no idea, and it wasn't until I really, I think, I had children that a lot of things that I just said, I've got to find a way but to change things, but it was all about how to fix myself. Mm. It was not about changing or creating a life or, or expanding things. It was like, what do I need to fix about me in order for me to be happy and be a good mom? Mm. And so it's like layers and layers and layers later. Yeah. I remember being on a call with you, actually. I don't even know. It could have been a year ago. Who knows? And I just remember you um, state, talking about how we are born with all of our worth, you know, like naked, nothing that we can do for anyone else. We were completely fully dependent upon, you know, our family and whoever was taking care of us. There was nothing that we can do for them. We're fully dependent, yet we are brought into this life. God, Jesus, whatever you believe in, right? We we came here 
with all of our worth. Yet, from the time we can remember, we feel like we have to continue to earn it. Yeah. And I just remember you, I remember being on this call. I don't know what it was for (laughs) specifically, but I remember you saying this and just literally tears pouring out of me because we all, I feel like so many, right? We have to go back and relearn all of that. Mm. That really, we don't have to do anything to prove it, yet we continue Mm. to feel like we have to continue to earn and prove it. Yeah, And I don't know the answer. Like, it's one of those things. Like, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we feel this way? What in society has brought it to that point? Um, like competition. Um, I don't know. Everyone feeling like they've got to one-up each other. You just lose yourself in the process. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally, huh? I can totally relate to what you said about becoming a mother and then... It's like motherhood is like a, a, the biggest, most clearest mirror. Um, or maybe yeah. even the foggiest at times too, I bet. But, um, you know, yeah. and that I, I think it was my motherhood journey really is what instigated my healing journey too. Um, mm-hmm. And it started, and like when I say healing, I think uh, you hit it, the nail on the head so good. Like it kind of summarizes or sums up my personal, oh, moment was I too kind of woke up and said oh look at this long list of things about me that I need to fix look at this long list things of things about me that I need to change and so um what I'm learning so it's sometimes I'm more conscious and cognizant and you know living in congruence with this awareness other times I'm definitely not but um (laughs) like you know that I actually like underneath all of the conditioning, underneath all of the assumptions and the stories, underneath the culture, the culture that I live in, the culture that I grew up in, underneath the trauma and the family stuff, like is it? It's not some. I don't. Need, I'm not someone that needs fixing so much as loving, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's more about like just being your true self underneath all of that or finding her and being her, loving her and being her, sharing her with the world rather than like fixing and changing and earning and hustling and, you know, adjusting, um, you know, and I, I really Mm -hmm. like, I, I really, I started my personal healing journey with the assumption that I just need to fix it all. I just need to read all the books. Mm -hmm. I just need to, do go to all the therapies, explore all the healing modalities, um, you know, get close to God and he will change me because it's, I need to be, I need to be something else. Um, but more recently I'm going, no, I, I wonder if it's not just, I just need to love myself. And I don't mean that in a really like trite, like sweet little greeting card (laughs) kind of way yeah (laughs) but like you know sometimes that can look pretty robust and you know like strong and courageous and you know all of those things but that it's really my ability to be present to myself whatever it is that I'm in in love um yeah and allowing just yeah allowing it to heal those things oh gosh okay that really resonates with me (laughs) yeah um 
yeah. What in your in your chapter of uh, being in belonging, you share your personal journey with belonging, and you yeah. share you know you share in in deep like you share the context and the details of what it looked like for you to wake up in your marriage, in your mm-hmm. career as a mother, and the mm-hmm. changes that you made. Um, I don't want to you know give away any of the things because it's such an incredible chapter and I want people to to read it but what um one what one nugget of wisdom or soul treasure would you like the people reading your chapter to take away from from what they read oh goodness yeah it you know we we've talked some about it really the biggest nugget right is I think really to be you and to trust yourself. Um, and, and when you do put yourself self first, so there's that adage, that old adage, right? That people talk about this. You've got to put yourself first, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you hear that all the time, but until you actually realize and go through this, when I did actually start to put myself first, kind of because all these things happened to me, and that was really my only, <laughs> you know, when people read it, you'll see in the, in, the, in the chapter, it was really my only decision. I had all this time, and it was, I had to learn how to do for me. But when you do that, when you do actually Think about yourself first. Your kids, your family, everything will always be at the center of your mind. But when you truly do focus on you and getting back, whether you lost yourself in the process, whatever happened, when you focus on you and you're able to shine that light, like we said at the beginning, it could be really dim. You may not know where you are. Even Your light may have been dimmed. But when you focus on you and really shine that light, that actually that light shines on all of the people around you. Yeah. Including your children, including your community, including truly the world, your energy, right? Your energy, our energy, each individual person, we matter and our energy matters and what we do and how we feel and all of the things. So it's, it's not a detriment to anyone or anything around you. It's the total opposite when you do for you. Yeah. You shine that light upon your children, right? And your community. And then you're also showing them that it's more than okay to shine their light. So you're breaking that cycle that you were in of feeling like you always have to do for others because truly you are doing for others when you do for Mm. yourself. I, what I'm hearing you say, um, and like, so there's the, there's the analogy that we have with putting your oxygen mask on, right? Like in the, in the airplane, like put your mask on first before you help someone else. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I think like what we, like what you're talking about is literally undoing the cycle that says I can, I have to earn love Mm -hmm. and compassion. Right. Um, and instead of loving, saving, hustling, working, you know, for everyone else, and then hoping that there's something left over for you 
or hoping that all of that work, mm-hmm. that all of that that activity, that all of the that doing and hustling results in someone turning around and saying, Oh, you've worked so hard. Now you can have some love. Oh, you've done right. so much. Now you can have some love. It's us saying, wait, I can give that to myself. I don't mm-hmm. have to wait for a husband, you know, a spouse, a partner, my children, my community, my friends, my parents. I don't have to wait for them to say, Oh, you belong, you're worthy, you're loved unconditionally. Um, exactly. It's, it's us going, no, I start at that place. And then I love the people around me from that place, not for it, which I think makes yes. a world of difference. Yes, that's a great perspective. Yes, starting from there, not it's earning. For, yeah, not and for And ending it. there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. What, so what we're doing on the podcast is we're collecting what I like to call soul God, like we're putting together a soul gardening, soul nourishing toolkit. Um, So we are collecting practices, we are collecting skills, we are collecting, you know, ideas from everyone, um, all the guests on the show um, and putting together like this virtual toolkit um, of things that people can do for soul nourishing, I guess. And so my question to you is what do you have a practice, a skill, a habit that you've in a discipline that you've incorporated into your life that, that you think has had the most profound impact on your soul nourishment that you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, I would say probably one of, you know, the biggest, if not one of the biggest, if not the biggest has been meditation for me. Mm. Um, because that is the place to just be, whether it's two minutes or it's two hours, (laughs) you know, um, developing that practice of just being. And so now I can actually, turn things off it started and my brain would you know go to all the things I was supposed to be doing like because we always feel like we have to do right and that's how it starts um but you just continue I I started with I give this example all the time five minutes in my car before I went into my corporate job it had such a profound impact on me and how my day went that now I've since completely turned my world upside down and my my you know the way that I live is very different um so that is probably one of the most profound things that I've done Mm. um and that I will continue to and it is a practice but so there will be times that like a week will go by I'm like oh I haven't really meditated but I can feel that I can feel the difference in how I am and how I feel um when I don't meditate and it is something that I have incorporated with my children sometimes they take it sometimes they leave it but they and then other times they are they invite me to practice with them Mm. so it's now had an even bigger impact on my family and Mm. it was something I knew nothing about 
And it's one of those things that I feel like everyone says they can't do. Yeah. But everyone can do it. Yeah, I think that. And we, it doesn't have to be a certain way. Yeah. You know, I think that as as a culture, we have I, I would I would go so far as to use language as strong as like we have a disease of busyness. Um, yeah. And we are diseased with the inability to stay quiet, to be quiet, to be present to the present, whatever that looks like to us, to notice mm-hmm. our bodies, to notice our emotions, to notice how we feel about certain things, you know, about our lives. And we're just moving, moving, moving. Um, like we move past ourselves almost. Uh, we move past the people yeah. around us. And I mean... For everyone listening, you guys would know that meditation, mindfulness practice, this has come up a number of times from a number of our guests. Um, learning the art or the discipline of being present to yourself yeah. in the moment that you're in, whether that be, like you say, for two minutes or for two hours, um, has has had a profound impact on more than just, like, it's it's starting to catch on with a lot of us, like, oh, I think maybe a starting point is to stop and to listen and to get yeah. quiet with myself um, and to practice mm-hmm. being <laughs> rather than doing, yeah. doing, 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 doing all the time. Exactly. It's really hard to start. Yeah, it really is. And it's at times really hard to continue. But, you know, it's, um, you know, once you get into, you know, it takes a little while to form a habit, right? So. Yeah. You know, you just set those reminders and you do those things. But, um, you know, and of those two minutes, one minute and 59 seconds, maybe your mind wandering. And yeah. then you get that one second of oh, feeling, you know, peace and just being. But the more you practice, and this literally has changed my life. I mean, there's been other things that have been kind of added to it. But it's, it's all around that premise of being. Mm-hmm. Just simply being. being. Yeah. You know, um, it's hard thing to do, hard concept when you're in the throw of things, when you're in that space of feeling like there's so much to do mm. that's got to get done. But it can make the things you do have to actually get done because we are human and we do have responsibilities. But, um, you know, it can allow that to be more efficient in even more meaningful and feeling more fulfilled in those monotonous groundhog day things that you have to do. Right. Yeah. Um, when you have, when you spend that time and make that time for yourself, create that space for you to be the rest of your life and the rest of the things that you are doing will just feel much more fulfilling. Yeah. And I, I find that, well, one of the benefits it's had for me personally um, is I didn't realize how much of my life I was spending in reaction mode. So how much of my quote-unquote choices, um, my experience of different life situations, the things that I was engaging in were actually like 99.9% of them or 99.9% of my life was me reacting to it. It was me being blown around, pushed around by 
circumstances, whether they be external or even my internal responses to those circumstances or reactions to those, like knee jerk, right? Um, And what mindfulness practice has given me has been the space to decide. It's like I, one of the things that makes, I believe that one of the most wonderful things that makes us human is our ability to choose our responses. And I think that mm-hmm. our power, our like like this incredible power gifted to us by God to use in our humanity is choice. It's it's it power yeah. like it's found in our ability to exercise choice. And what mindfulness showed me was that I was making I was actually making very few choices. Um and I was engaged mm-hmm. in a lot of knee-jerk reactions to my life. Um, and so mindfulness kind of slowed me down enough to actually make a decision <laughs> about anything. Yeah. What I put in my mouth, what I, you know, how I um, responded to my kids, the kind of parent I wanted to be, the type of stuff that I did with my mm-hmm. day. Um, and so, yeah, I agree that just being able to slow down enough to take notice and to make a choice has exactly. been like, probably like counterintuitively because I think people associate mindfulness with not acting, right? Right, and there is a component yeah, of that, right? But it's actually been very empowering to me personally. It sounds like for you as well. It helped me yeah, make a lot absolutely. of empowered decisions. Absolutely, and when I'm not, like you said, and I can look back at years and years of my life of being in react mode yeah and just doing what was easier and simpler so not to disrupt others Mm. and ruffle feathers and I just kind of went along I always would say when I was younger oh I'm so go with the flow I'm laid back I'm laid back and go with the flow well what that really meant was I was people pleasing and doing just what was easier and Mm. reacting to other people versus now I may ruffle some feathers because I'm now just allowing myself to truly be more intentional about being me and making sure that what I'm doing, what I do choose to do, like you said, it is a choice. What I choose to do aligns with my values and who I am and where I desire to go forward. Yeah. So good. And that can still mean, we can still belong. Yeah. Like we said from at the very beginning, if we all had that thought, right. And we all actually made the choices based on us. We can all belong us alongside each other. We don't have to be in agreement on everything and, and have all the same likes and do all the same things in order to belong. That would be a boring life, right? Like if everyone yeah. did that, but we can still belong truly being us while the next person alongside us is truly being them. Yeah. I love that so much. All right. Closing question as we uh, end our time together, what can you give us a glimpse into everyday ordinary life that feels like flourishing to you? Oh yes. That's a great question. Everyday ordinary life that feels like flourishing for me, this is like the trips to the beach. Mm. And the walks down the, so we have a nature, like a walk um, close to us, a trail with my kids. And just, that's truly flourishing. I'm getting chills as I'm saying it. Is that time 
just where we're all connecting and, and with nature, you know, with each other. Those, mm. those are the flourishing moments in my life, not the dishes and the laundry, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's like the walk to nature, the trip to the beach with my kids, just watching them laugh and play. And then the other piece is when I am connecting with, you know, women, because a lot of the stuff I love to do is in person or, you know, virtually, right. But mm-hmm. it's talk about these kinds of deep, deep things, mm. you know, the, the depth in our lives and our spirituality and, you know, not the talks about the weather, you know, yes. um, those are the everyday where I feel like I'm flourishing is when I can have these really deep conversations with all walks of life, right? People mm. coming from all different spaces. And when I can instill these things on my children and have these open and honest conversations in the, the hopes of them just, you know, knowing who they are and feeling like they belong from a young age and they're not un- having to undo quite so many things mm. that I'm undoing, right? Leaving yeah. them in, a, in a, another space, so... I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for going deep with me today. Thank um, you. <laughs> well, thank you. It feels like that. This, <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. you on that in like in terms of, oh, I just love talking. I just love going as deep as I can. Like I'm, I, ha- I have a yeah. friend here in town who um, like, so we both mothers, we both are self-employed and our kids go to school together. And she said, could we become friends? But also I want to explore the depths of your soul and explore you to explore the depths of mine. Like she's like, that's the kind of friend. (laughs) And you're going to have to be like, that was her like, that was her like friendship pitch. Like, Hey, can we explore the depths of one another's souls? (laughs) I was like, I was like, yes. Uh, But yeah, I, I'm with you on that. That's, that feels like flourishing to me too. Um, thank you yeah, so much for, for going deep with me today. Thank you so much for going deep with us in your chapter in being and belonging. And thank you for the work that you do in the world. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. I appreciate you. You too. Bye. Bye.